The following episode of Fofop is classified MA. It contains some coarse language, some nudity, drug references, a sex scene, time travel, terrible Batman impersonations, a Charlie Clausen pronounced Clausen shaped hole, and mild coarse language. Fofop advises that the program is not suitable for persons under the age of 15, and minors must be accompanied by an adult guardian or priest. This is John Deke speaking. Everyone relax. This is Tofa. Ironically, I'm not relaxed. <laughs> Hello and welcome to Fofa. I'm Will Anderson and uh, guest Charlie Clawson for the first time, but very excited to have him here. And I know some of the audience. I mentioned uh, that you were upcoming on the podcast, special guest Charlie,、uh, and a lot of my audience were very excited that you were going to be on. I'm very excited to have you on. I was、uh, watching your special last week when we were going to talk in Ruins, which is currently on、Thank、Netflix,、you. which is honestly one of the best stand up specials I've seen. In a very long time, it's Eddie Pepitone. Hello, Eddie Pepitone. <laughs> Hello, how are you, Will? I love that special. Let's just talk about it at the start because I'm、yeah. currently, I don't know how you feel about the idea of like doing a special. Like, because you're a person that in your, a bit like me, where、yeah. like any night could be the best night of the year. Absolutely. Like, the special thing that happens in that room, in that moment with those people, well, that's the night that you wanted、yeah. everybody to see. But that's not、yeah. necessarily the night when you. Record your special. How, how,、right. how did you feel about even recording it? Right. I、uh, luckily、um, the director Stephen Fine Arts,、um, and he directed the documentary. His name is Fine Arts. Believe it or not, that is when、I、he mean, approached. That has, got to get it, that has got him a lot of work early. <laughs> no wonder he's so good now. I mean, aren't you going to give a kid work experience if his last name is Fine Arts? He's born into this shit. Absolutely, that is like a kid called Baker going into like a bakery. You got to employ him. When, you know, he approached me. Stephen Fine Arts approached me to do the documentary about me, The Bitter Buddha, and、mm. I was like, "What's your last name?" He goes, "Fine Arts." I go, "Oh,、right. how can I?、Not? How can I help?、You? This is my sister. Her last name is Fine Arts. It's weird that <laughs> we have different last names, but." My sister would have to be lumpy ass, I guess. But anyway,、um, <laughs> no. And by the way, if you're listening, I love you,、uh, and and I don't mean my sister. I just mean the audience. But、right. I, I just want to say、um, that I needed someone, and I don't know how you are with this, but. What you said is exactly true. I'm a guy. I just, I really just love performing, and any night can be a great, great night. So the idea of we're gonna film、uh, your special, quote unquote, June third and fourth. I'm like, oh my god. Well, I, you know, I, I, you know, I'm very nervous about it. But Stephen, I need. I realized that for a special, I needed a guy to be like my confidant,、uh-huh. and he was like, and he knows my material really well. He directed、yep. this documentary about me. And he sees me perform a lot, and he was like, "Well, I think this bit, this bit, this bit, this bit, this bit, this bit." And I just really like he calmed me down about it, you know. And what about like physical preparation? Because here's the thing: if you're gonna <laughs> like, as in like normally when you're、mm. doing gigs, you never know. Like you might have had a full day, you might have had to get up early and do like breakfast, radio press. Maybe you didn't get a nap during the day. You went. For I gotta a tell you,、behind. if you're doing your special, you, to, what I did was I had nothing. Else to do those two days. It was filmed over two nights. Right. So those two days, I just got up. I had my coffee. I read the paper. I got up late. Right. I slept late.、Uh-huh. Um, I had. Not, I. I made sure. 
that there was no TV, radio, press. You know what I mean? Because I, you don't want to be, at least I didn't want to be distracted. And I just fucking, and I hung out with like a friend and I, I just like, uh, I, I, I dribbled, I, I uh, scribbled some notes about the show. Uh-huh. You know, just little notes. I tried to take it easy. I was sitting in a garden. I walked around Brooklyn. And, and what an important thing is too, to do your special, uh-huh. is to perform in a place that you love. Right. You know what I mean? Uh-huh. Like, I guess... You would yeah, do well, it in so, Australia. Okay, so well, I'll give you what we're talking about, and we can talk about it in this prism, which is that I mm-hmm. am. So I recorded a special like six years ago, okay. and I haven't done one since, even though I've done a new show every How did year. one go? How did the special go? You know what? I've never watched it. <laughs> I, I don't like to either. I can't watch it. And I, cause I do don't, you not like to watch yourself in general? Yeah, in general. It's me too. I record every show, but I rarely listen back to them. But if I do... Same here. We are so <laughs> alike. I record every show too. Do you improvise a lot <laughs> yeah, on your a lot. sets? Yeah, a lot. Yeah. That's why you're a lunatic with set list, which is... Right. You yeah. are a lunatic. That set I saw you do in Edinburgh was one of the funniest things when you visited Edinburgh this past... What I loved about that, though, was like I'd had a... Because mo- I was at the festival, and and we'll get to Edinburgh, definitely. Yeah. In fact, I'm going to make a note about that. We will definitely get... Because I want to ask you about Edinburgh. But um, I was there, uh, mm-hmm. as people who listen to this podcast regularly know, as a tourist... I did 13 sets while I was in town, but mostly set list and prompt during late shows, you know, things that right. don't involve you having to get the audience there or worrying that they're, Absolutely. Or you don't get reviewed for and they're just... That's the biggest thing the for moment. me, but we'll talk about that. Yeah. yeah so uh, it was your pep talk beforehand when you were telling me, you were just like, you don't deserve any of these laughs. I'm going to go out and tell them that you are at an unfair advantage because <laughs> you are right. not doing a show. You are not broken. <laughs> you, like the minute I walked through the room, you picked it. You were like, what is with you? <laughs> Why, why, why is your face like that? Well, you, yeah, I'd either gone crazy, like it had broken me. I, was, I, was like, I turned into like the Joker from Batman or something. Like I'd just gone over the edge. Which so. I wonder in Edinburgh how often that happens. Like there's got to be people who snap out there. Right. Oh There's my gotta god! Gotta be people who fucking lose it. I've had. I said to somebody because the last time I was there, I've never done that festival, not like doing my own show there, and I've never done the Melbourne Festival Comedy Festival. Like this was literally the first time I've ever been to a festival, you know, where I wasn't doing my own show. And all it's, right, it's amazingly a different experience. Like last time I was there, I was having a really successful season. Like the show was selling out every night. We were in a three hundred seat venue. Right. Like really That's awesome. great. Yeah, crowds. And one day I was flying in the rain and I just started crying. <laughs> I, st- I cry I was, in Edinburgh too. I was having a good season. Like I was having a good run. You don't think there's some nine-piece mime recreation of the history of the United Kingdom that's performing to fucking one and a half people per night that isn't shedding a fucking tear? A silent, silent tear? And you were having a good run. Same with me. I was having a good run. I I took a hike in Hollyrood Park out Uh there, and I sat down and I saw a family. And I, st- I saw a family that was very loving, and they had a dog and a little kid, and I was like, my family. I started crying going, my family never was this happy. Like, what was going on with me? I, <laughs> I, I, I mean, it's true. It's true my family was never that happy, but I usually don't cry about it. <laughs> I, I love that you say that because I had one of those incidents in the last 24 hours. Oh, shit. Exactly what you're talking about. <laughs> 
Well, when you're away from home, right. that shit happens. I mean, and the thing is, most of the time, I'm pretty good at blocking it out of my mind. Right. But realistically, I've been away from home since the Melbourne Comedy Festival. Like, I mean, I've months at end. And I've been traveling a lot and I've been seeing a lot of my friends it in different gets places. To you, but it, 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 it gets to you some, sometimes. I just come back from Seattle, like a weekend away. I had a really great time. Right. Like, got punched in the eye by a baby. That is a story that will be told at the LA Podcast Festival. <laughs> but Eddie does know it. Because he was like, what's with your black eye? And I was like, punched in the face by a baby. So funny. Uh, uh, so, um, but I'd had a really great weekend. But then, like the biggest single award, the MVP of the 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 game I follow, the AFL, was won by this unexpected guy, like a bit of an underdog, won like the best player in the whole league award. It was a bit of a surprise, and you started crying. He made this. Well, I read this article about it because I was like, oh, it's a bit unusual. I don't even really like. He wouldn't have been my pick for this award, right? right. And so I wasn't even necessarily on board. Like he beat a guy that is the best player in the game who missed like the last seven games and still came second. Like who's, you know, there was, I was like, that guy probably should have won it. He's like the greatest player of our generation. He should. But then I read this fucking story about yeah. his parents because he got up there, the dude who won, and made this incredibly humble speech about how he didn't really see yeah. himself. And he was just, yeah. he's a guy who missed Well, the, that shit hits me too. He missed the draft four years in a row, like ended up winning the best, like, you know, player in the whole competition award. Right. And then, underdog. He was a big underdog. And then his parents, like his wife didn't even go to the awards because he didn't think he was going to win. He, so he, they've watched it the next day with his parents and his dad and his mum are like, we're very proud that he won, but we're much more proud that he made this like humble speech and like we're such, just such a good man. And like, and I was like, oh my God, <laughs> <laughs> he's such a good man and you are such good parents. That's why he's such a good man, clearly. Like I can just see it all on the page. This is a great victory for all of us. Oh shit. Yeah. Yeah. So I get that. It's interesting that travel, how travel, if you travel a lot and you're away from home a lot, I mean, it's true that you just really kind of realize things about yourself. Right. You just realize stuff about yourself emotionally. I mean, I mean, it's sort of like you have to find home and home is really kind of inside you. But you have to, but you fucking go through all these changes on the road. I mean, I never realized that, but, but I, particularly with Edinburgh, you know, we'll get back to my special, yeah, but particularly right. with Edinburgh, um, because of the stress uh-huh. of it. So talk people through that. What do you mean by that? Cause you know, well, not- for me, for me, it's like, okay, you have your show and then you, and you know, it's being scrutinized. Uh-huh. You know that there are all these reviewers. Yep. Who are gonna review it And you know Your team You know Like my production team Is like You know They're gonna come see it The first night And you know This person's gonna come Time out London And the Scotsman And the Guardian And the Independent And reviews fuck me up too Like What do you mean? (laughs) Well I I love them when they're great Right Like it's like Oh yeah yeah yeah. But if they don't like it I get pissed Right I get fucking angry Like fuck so what I have have what I do now is don't read any of them. Uh, but of course, um, you know you have time on your hands and you're like on the internet, right? But also <laughs> the other thing is, like, I mean, in Edinburgh you can't walk around without every poster being plastered right. by how many stars or whatever you got. So you've got to walk past your own poster a few times a day and go, oh, I got four stars. That might, that's probably a good review. And then, <laughs> then it'll say one thing, like one thing that that writes off that whole day, like in a four star review. You'll be like, oh no. Oh. Ah. Yeah, but here's why Edinburgh is so stressful ah. because 
everything is about your show. Right. And that's completely unhealthy because uh-huh. as a comedian, you have to live your fucking life and then go do your comedy. Right. It can't be like, because like you just said about the posters, for instance, I always talk about the posters. You walk down, this, you're like everywhere are these posters unless you get out of town. And I try to, when I'm in Edinburgh, I try to fucking jump on a bus or get a friend to drive me out of town because... Where do you want to go? Somewhere I can't <laughs> see my face. Exactly. That's all it is. Somewhere where I can't see my face and other people's faces and other people's stars. I know those people are doing better. Now I hate that person that I, I hate liked. that person. Next I can't I believe see them. I'm really angry at them and they don't understand why. And everybody goes, how's your show go? How's your show? And you don't, and they even, they know that they, you know, even your good friends know that you don't want to talk about the show, but they right. can't help it. Like, so how'd it go? You get in audiences, like all that stuff. And it's, it's almost like a military experiment. Like, like, like it's almost like. I'm well, no- you cut off from all issues. Like, that's what I noticed, even being there for 10 days. I was like, I came back and there was like, because there was a war on and stuff. Like, there was shit going down. The world was on fucking fire. And you had no idea. And for fucking two weeks, you're just like, yeah, yeah, whatever. Yeah. Did I, you see I, that review that Daniel Sloss got in the Scotsman? <laughs> <laughs> it's so insane. It really is like a fucking month-long beauty pageant. Do you hear about the war in the Middle East? How many stars did it get? Where's it play? Did it move to a bigger venue? Is it selling now? <laughs> It didn't move to a bigger venue. <laughs> what, yeah, what did the Scotsman think of the war in the Mideast? Right. The Guardian, I bet, was hard on it. Right. <laughs> the Guardian is very particular. And then shit like this happens to me, too. I don't know about you when you're doing a month, but like my PR person is like, oh, Eddie, don't forget, you have a BBC interview today with you know BBC Scotland or whatever, and I totally forgot. Right, and I'm like, oh shit, and I have to run to the, this. Happened to me. I had to run to this BBC interview, and I thought it would just be like a one-on-one thing. Right, and I get ushered into this tent, and there's 300 people. Oh, it's live. It was live. There were 300 people. It was a guy named Richard Bacon. Oh, I don't I've, know if you know. I've done that. He's show. a nice guy. Yeah, he is a nice guy. Very nice guy. Yeah. Smart guy too. Blah blah blah. But I had no idea this right. was happening. And then one of the guests was the main reviewer for the Guardian, uh, Stephen. Sure. I don't know what Stephen Bennett. I forget. No, I don't know. That's for no, Chortle. He's, Chortle. <laughs> he's Stephen Bennett. But, but this guy. <laughs> speaking, and it was funny. Speaking I, reviews. People people have heard me say this, but Steve Bennett has never really been a massive fan of mine. Yeah, and he's, so like he's, for years, because he has a specific type of comedy that he's particularly fond of. And yeah, I, yeah I, he what, likes for, me for whatever reason. He, yeah, so he didn't, so for years yeah. I've been like, ah, fucking Stephen Bennett. <laughs> he just likes a particular fucking type of comedy. Yeah. And then this year I had a show that I thought was by far the best show I'd done, but not every review was quite like getting it? what I was doing yeah. and he fucking he, he nailed it he knew exactly what it was about it was the best like I read the review and I was like yes that is what I was doing oh, the- oh my god now he's fucking nailed <laughs> now I have to kind of be like honestly he knows what he's talking about then. I know I know it's, it's all that all those mind games like because when you read a bad review you're like well they don't fucking get me fuck them right. you know what I mean yeah. and then you and then you realize oh they do get me so yeah. what the fuck you know right. I had Kate yeah, maybe, Capstick maybe he was right you know Kate Capstick yeah she's like the number for people who don't know Kate Copstick is like almost as big a celebrity as the people who are at the festival because she's the main reviewer from the Scotsman, which is the biggest paper in town and right. the one that sponsors the festival and has the biggest coverage of the festival every day. Right. And her reviews have like had been famous for back in the day in particular. Right. I guess not so not, much now. There's a lot of now. reviewers now. Right. But her reviews in the day would right. were the review. The ones and that would she, make or break yeah, you. Yeah, if, you, if, she, if she gave you five stars, you could right. sell out a whole season. And she's very cool. And she loved me the first year, but this year... Uh, 
I didn't read her review because I noticed this is this is a funny thing about Edinburgh. I ran into her on the street, uh-huh. and I had seen her earlier in the festival, and we were goofing around. And I ran into her on the street, and she right. was acting weird. Right. So you went, oh, I guess the review. She, that's yes. right. I knew. I knew right away, and I didn't read the review. I didn't read the review. I did. It was like it's like meeting a girlfriend. It's right. like meeting right. a fucking ex. Ah, uh, yeah. You're like, oh, this is over, right? Yeah. Okay. This Sorry. Is over. I didn't know. Because she was such a great fan in the first year i was there and did this spread on me like not only did a good review five stars or whatever but then did a a feature on me but this year so i got back to la and i was like let me see what kate copstick wrote and sure enough the review it started off dear mr pepitone it was a a personal letter yes oh my god you are brilliant but what happened to your show like just all this stuff and i'm like oh god and it even affected me that fucked me up i had to read i had to read that review this is such an american thing i i I find uh, therapy i find that overseas doesn't fly as much but i have a therapist here and i had to read the review in my therapy session Hang on, she read it or you Because read I it? got fucked up the night before reading it, right. and I was with my shrink going, this fucked me up, and she said, read the review. <laughs> I mean, that I'm is. reading the review with my therapist, and she's going, and my therapist is calming me down. <laughs> I wonder if, like, Kate Copstick knew when she wrote you an open letter in the newspaper it would end up in therapy. Like... <laughs> But but that's that festival. <laughs> that, yeah. And so the other part of the festival for me mm-hmm. that is very hard is that because my act. That that's a good our, start for next year's show, by the way. If you want to do like a really fucking cool Edinburgh is, show, oh, is you start it. With in, the review with, with the, Mr. The like Therapist? The, with, with that scene. Talking about like that scene and like reenacting that scene. And that's like the start of, like, of the show. And like, that's I think that funny. would be like a really fucking good. That is funny. Yeah. All right. Uh, but what's also hard for me is that by because I have uh, my hour is very intense. Yeah. I scream a lot. Sure. I, I have to I have to figure out a way if I'm going to do that fucking festival again to make it more mellow. Mm-hmm. Because by the by the last week, I'm physically physically worn down. I mean, the mental wears you down. The mental stress. How many, and then how physically, many nights off did you have? One. Right. So that's your problem. Like you just have, and to, I did previews. Yeah. So you have to demand your three nights do you? off. Do yeah. you? Last time I was there, I did three nights off. It, it will change Fuck. your world. Give you a day. For I your, wish gives you a day for your voice to, like, yeah. to be honest, you're not selling any less tickets by not doing like the three Mondays or whatever. Like I pe- know. those people will just come on the Tuesday or yeah, the Wednesday. Yeah, so I don't understand. There's why plenty they... of lonely nights of the week where they can come and see your fucking show. Absolutely. And you know what? You get a night off. You're fresh. Yeah. Like and then if when you go into Tuesday, if Tuesday is like a tougher night, you've only got Wednesday yeah. until you're kind of going up and towards the weekend. But if you're like if you run a like a tough Sunday and Monday, mm-hmm. and suddenly you're already at fucking like you're like when do I get to have a fucking good one again? Like you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Fucking take your days off. What about the guys who come in and do two weeks? I think my manager told me. Well, those are the guys who really draw. Those are the guys who like have big names. Or well, that, I mean, that's what you need to do. Like, if you're going to go in for two weeks, you need to be someone who you think's got an audience kind of built in, right. because then you can do that. And I think right. that's a good way to do it. But I think the way that festival works, like you have to go in and do the work, and shows build momentum and vibes, and yeah. you know. So I think if you're not that big draw. Yeah, you have to kind of do the whole thing and roll yeah. the dice and see how it goes. Right, right, right. It's just that I, because, and I was telling you when I got here that I came back with bronchitis. Yeah. 
which is a bronchial, like an infection in the lungs. And the, and the shit didn't go away for like three or four weeks. So I've been in LA. Right. I, you know, I've just now, like almost today, yesterday, a little day before, getting Edinburgh out of my system. And right. it's already fucking September, what is it, 23. It took me this long to like yeah, get that month, fes- festival. It takes as long as the festival to it recover from the festival. It takes as long as the fucking festival, you know. But you know what is is true, and I don't know if you experience this, but I'm fearless on stage. Right. Like after you do that festival, yeah, I just get on stage and I don't give a shit. Right, because everything the bad that could have happened has happened. It's like, and that's why you go back. Like every like I'm yeah. like, why do you go back? Yeah, I know. I'm but wondering. You do. It's like that scene from fucking. I don't know if you've seen the Dark Knight Rises, but it's like that scene from the. The Dark Knight Rises when Batman comes back from oh the- yeah Dark Knight I just watched so, it again so I he's love had the, that movie. he's had the like uh, broken back you know Bane broke his back right and then he's been in the prison and he's you know recovered from the oh box. this is the one with Bane oh, yeah, oh right. I, I thought it was with, with Heath Ledger no okay so have you you've, you've not seen it so I did see the one with Bane I couldn't okay. get over the I hated the fucking thing stuck to his face. <laughs> <laughs> it looked like the thing in Alien was just stuck to his fucking face, and I was like, "No, I don't, I don't want this thing stuck." You ever go to a movie and like that one fucking thing yeah. really bothers you? Like, why is this thing stuck to his yep. fucking face? I didn't dig that. Yeah, I love that, and but that one thing can ruin a whole movie. Yeah, it's funny how people, and that's why it's weird for us as comedians. Like I, on, uh, in Seattle on uh, like Friday night, yeah. there was. Um, <laughs> Like, it was a good show. I had a good show. Right. And then a friend of mine who was out in the foyer who was coming to the second show yeah. is like, I was just next to these two bros, like, in flip-flops who were out at the bar saying their headline is putting us to sleep. And I was like, this show's going well. You know? Yeah, but, yeah. But even when it's going well, it's not going well for everyone. Right. And sometimes there's, so like, true. the reason that they hate you is nothing. that They just don't like your face or whatever. Yeah. Like, yeah. Oh, absolutely you, that you happens. like that physical education teacher who used to insist that it was his job to watch a shower. Like, absolutely. Whatever reason, that means I can't enjoy your comedy. <laughs> Absolutely. I mean, it is said that comedians, and I don't know if you've ever had this, the whole fucking crowd could be laughing, but you see one guy right. in the audience sitting there like you owe him money. Like, you know, it looks like you owe him money. Like he's just looking at you with the fucking worst face and you're like, what the fuck? Why the fuck isn't this guy? Like that's that becomes your focus. Right. Instead of the rest of the crowd. And it might be one of those things like, you know, say you put out like to use a restaurant analogy, like mm-hmm. you put out all the meals and everybody's enjoying the meal and he's got his meal, which is like, yeah, beautifully prepared and it's a really good meal. But he's like, this is shit because I don't like broccoli. Yeah, right. Well, why did you order broccoli, you dickhead? Yeah. you. <laughs> like, what are you here for? So I always feel like Edinburgh has that feeling of, so yeah, Batman, uh, his back was broken by Bane. And then like, you know, when Batman finally heals after he's been in the prison, like he comes back and like Bane says, I broke you. How did you come back? And I feel like that's what Edinburgh like it's says to right. every comedian. It's like, right. I broke you. How did you come back? How did you it's come like a, back? Here's, here's a great Edinburgh story. I don't know if it's great, but... <laughs> But because I shouldn't preface it that way, but check this out. So, you know, I was in a theater called The Pleasance Above, and there was a great guy. He's Australian. I love this guy. I forget his last name. I'll uh, be able to tell you if you give me Josh, a and he does this show on Jesus this year oh. called Heckle Jesus. Oh, Heckle Jesus. I actually don't know, but I know the show, but I don't know. What a great guy, guy, too. But um, he came and saw my show. Uh-huh. So I was like, I got to come and see his show. So he was excited that I was coming to see his show. And I get there late, uh, a little late, like five minutes late. And I'm walking up into the audience. And he's, he's on the cross, 
it's a funny show. He's on the cross and he just invites people to heckle him. Right. It's an amazing show where he invites people to heckle him and he comes back at them. Right. Kind of brilliant. And anyway, so he goes, ladies and gentlemen, Eddie Pepitone is here. And some guy in the audience goes, your show was shit last week. So I was getting heckled in someone else's show. Yeah, but you were getting heckled in a show called Heckle Christ. So weirdly, maybe the guys thought you were Christ. That's he what he was it. saying. No, he didn't. He was in, in my show. When he walked in, he was like, no, this is the real Christ. I reject, <laughs> I reject this Christ. I, this is my Christ. And so he was just heckling you. It was so funny, though, because I was like, I'm finally going to relax. I'm going to yeah. go see someone yeah, else's show. I'm going to go see someone else's show. Your show is shit. I was like, motherfucker. Favorite uh, heckle story. I don't know if I've ever told this on the podcast, but... Um, my favorite ever heckle story from the Edinburgh Festival. Do you know who uh, Dave Allen is? Have you ever heard yes. of the Irish comedian Dave Allen? Very, very famous old comedian. And like yeah. an edgy, edgy guy. How like, do you spell his last name? Is A-double-L-E-N. Oh, okay. Allen, Dave on. Allen. Um, he, he wasn't the guy who danced this year who said less talk, a little more action. No. <laughs> no. You know who I'm talking about? I do know that. But no, Dave Allen died a, a, oh. a while ago. <laughs> okay. So it wasn't him. <laughs> yes. Not that. Not so that he's guy. a really well-respected Irish. Yeah, he was an Irish and he was a storyteller. Yeah. And he used to do this show, the Dave Allen show on TV, where he would drink like hard liquor and smoke and tell these hilarious stories. He was a wonderful, you know. Yeah. Like, anyway. This comedian's playing uh, Late in Life, which was the notoriously toughest oh. like late night gig yeah. in Edinburgh. And he's like dying. He's like done, you know, he's like 10 minutes or whatever he's meant to be doing. And he's just died a death, right? And Dave Allen's like sitting in the audience this night, right? And this, and this guy's just trying to find something funny to get off stage. You know, he yeah. just doesn't want to leave yeah. to what the silence. Yeah. So yeah. he starts going table to table and just doing a bit of what's your name, what do you do? And he gets up to Dave Allen. Now... <laughs> Now, I don't know if it's because, you know, this guy was just flustered or, you know, it was dark in the room and he maybe couldn't he see who it was. A comedy legend or whatever. He didn't see, he's yeah. Gone. But the whole audience knows that Dave Allen's there, you know, like he's a big time celebrity, oh, right? Shit. So he's gone, what's your name? And Dave Allen says, Dave Allen. And the comedian says, what do you do? And Dave Allen famously said, I'm a comedian. What do you do? Oh, my God. <laughs> Oh, did it bring down the fucking like, house? house? It's like a famous. Oh, I'm a comedian. Oh, what do you do? My God, did the guy realize? <laughs> oh my! I wish yeah. I was there. That's something you wish you were there for, right? Well, which brings us back to the special, right? Yeah, that idea of capture, capturing lightning in a bottle, because right. we all have those moments. And right. I've, 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 I've often even thought about it. Like if I could ever do it, and I don't think I could do it. Yeah. But like, like I said, I record all my shows. And I record them on this thing that Audio, I record. Audio, right? Yeah. And I record on this. Oh, you do do that? Yeah. I, so I just put the, I use the iPhone. Right. So I record on this. So it's all quality enough that you couldn't put an album out, but you could put like a podcast out, right? And there, there has been part of me that's just, I, I couldn't do it. Like, because I wouldn't know where the stuff is. But to go back and listen through, I could yeah. really put together a lot of content of, you know, those bits from shows that right. I could never do again that maybe people would be interested in hearing or whatever. Like maybe edit, edit it? Yeah, just yeah. edit them together. Yeah, yeah. Like maybe they wouldn't work because maybe it's about the magic of the night, you know. True. But true. there is like... Well, isn't that true about, about, about stand-up in, in general that it is such... Isn't it alive? It's, it's really a live experience. Like, mm. like you know, you, you can record it. Yeah. 
But, but a lot is. of it doesn't translate yeah. sometimes. It's so no. about being there. And being in the energy of the room. This is one of the yeah. toughest, toughest things about a special is how do you big do you make your room? What do you make your special look like? Because sometimes if you right. record it in front of thousands and thousands of people and the person it sitting loses. at home in front of their yeah, computer or on their yeah. iPad or whatever watching it, it's like, well, I'm not in the rhythm of you performing. That right. was one of the most interesting things for me watching your special was yeah. now that you were you at the Bell House is that where yeah. that was which uh-huh. is a beautiful venue I yeah. played there as well and it's yeah. it's a lovely venue the size is great the light looked really good I don't know how yeah. light it was in the room because I think one of the toughest things about recording is they need a bit more light in the room which we don't want we want like you know want too much light in the right, room but right. that looked nice and I remember the felt, light felt good yeah it, it didn't feel too bright no. that's what you're talking about yeah. too bright kind of sucks and it looked. Like it didn't feel too bright. Like when I right. was watching it, I didn't know whether they'd adjusted it afterwards or whether that was what it was like. But that's what it right. felt like. A Yeah. But your pacing was good mm-hmm. pacing for me watching it. Like I watched it on my, you know, on my computer on Netflix, yeah. you know. So yeah. it was like, it was the right pacing. And I think yeah. that's really yeah. like important in that moment. Yeah. And absolutely. so so basically that's what I was going to say is when you're in the room, you're in the same pace as everyone else. You're in the yeah. same waves. It's like you're surfing waves. Oh, right. And if you're right. out of step with those waves. Right, right. Yeah, that's and putting it in special too, you know, it's shot over two nights. Right. So I'm not sure how the editing went. Like, did they, they shoot it over two nights because, well, maybe something really went right. great, you know, night two that yep. didn't go night one. But like you said, it's like, is the rhythm right when they edit it? But I, Stephen edited it too, the Stephen Fine Well, so I know did. when we did my last one that, yeah, we recorded two shows. It was actually on the same night, but it was like an early show, late show. Oh, you did it the same night? Yeah. Yeah, and people do that too. We did it separate nights, which, uh, you know. But we used most of one. Yeah. Like, because, like, I you, think we did with too. the rhythm. It's just like, it's mostly that. I think we used a couple of little right. bits, but like, right. it was literally basically just one of the shows. I think that's what we did too. The first <clears throat> night went so good. The first night went so good that the second night was like gravy. You right. know what I mean? And like do whatever you want type of thing. But, you know, they both went really good. But uh, you, the biggest thing for me about catching lightning, lightning in a bottle is the crowd. Like, and for me, it was my home. I'm, I was born in right. Brooklyn and I'm a New York guy, you know, even though I've been, you know, destroyed here in LA. I, I <laughs> just, just I, the sun has fucked me up. But, but like, so that was my home crowd. And you know how it is when you're in front of an audience and the first thing you say and you hear how with you they are, you're like, holy shit. I could say anything. Right. And it, it felt like that. That's both. nice, isn't it? Like I'm doing uh, mine at the Sydney Opera House. It'll be the last night of the tour. This has been my biggest tour, right? Like I've done it and, you know, I did the, the hour in Montreal this year just for laughs. Like a whole bunch of places I haven't got to do right. my hour before. Right. And uh, so Sydney Opera so House. So I want to do like the, so it's the main, big main room at the Opera House and wow. it's going to be the last night of the show, like the show. And I decided I'll do something really special. Because for me, yeah. that thing of me saying, if I do it some other night, it just never so I thought fuck it I'll do the opposite like even though I just told you I love the intimacy of yours I'm like nah fuck it I'm just gonna make it like I wanted it to feel like a big concert event like a special night yeah that like can be that comes can be, to the opera house and it's this fucking show and that it's can the be last great too have you ever seen Richard Pryor Richard Pryor's yes. concert films they yes. were amazing 
And that's actually kind of, I mean, not comparing <laughs> only no, in you could. style of the show. Yeah. But that's what I f- want him to feel like. Like that w- this was yeah. this big night. Big happening. This little kid from like a farm, you know, road named after his grandfather, like t- telling his fucking dick jokes on the main stage at the motherfucking Sydney Opera House. Yeah. And you've all been invited to come along and be part of this. I may only ever get to do it the fucking once. Right. So let's fucking film it. How many does it seat? Uh, I think it's like 3,000 yeah. or something. But yeah, we'll try yeah. to do two shows, I hope. Like, you know, that yeah. would be good. But When are you night? doing it? January 19th. Oh, nice. Yeah, it's the last night of the tour. It's the middle of the Sydney summer. So for people who, like the Opera House, I've done shows at that time of the year in yeah. Sydney before because it's beautiful because there's oh. like people come into the Opera House. Right. Like, they, they, there's bars and restaurants and stuff around there. So Because a lot of yeah. people have always wanted an excuse to go to the Opera House but aren't necessarily into some of the stuff that's normally on at the opera house. Yeah, it's like, too yeah, highbrow. You know I'd like to see like 80 minutes of dick jokes, not like three and a half hours in the first, before the first intermission. Like some <laughs> yeah, sort of... Yeah, yeah. La Traviata. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, yeah exactly. Or fucking three sisters. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, th- I, that was... Three sisters was literally what I was thinking about. Is that that's, right? The Chekhov, yeah. It's weird. Chekhov can be like, oh my God. I went to see um, a girl that I had a big crush on yeah. in a production. It always is like that. Of it. And... Uh, it was a matinee, a Wednesday matinee. So it was me and like, uh, like you know, 700 old people that like get bust in, right? And I like really- Where was it? At the, well, in the one of the rooms at the Opera House. Right, so, right. right. <clears throat> they have a big, the big main room and then they have like a bunch of, there's a 700 yeah. seater and a 400 seater and like yeah. a 200. Like, so, um, and so I, um, the first half went like, honestly, went three and a half or four hours. And then so I was like, I want to leave, but I can't because, you know, I'm only this here for This girl is in like, the play. And they're going to notice if the one person under like <laughs> 70 leaves, you know. Um, so, so I stayed, but I had to buy a packet of, like I bought a big box of Maltesers and I passed the time by timing how long I could hold a Malteser in my mouth <laughs> before it like disintegrated. That was literally how I got through. <laughs> I was like, well, this is what I'd be like on a desert island or something. This would be like how yeah. I would pass the time. Yeah, yeah. I, I remember going to an opera in New York at Lincoln Center, the uh, big opera uh, fucking house there, uh, or Metropolitan Opera. And I had no idea. And I was with a girl I was trying to impress. And I had no idea it was three acts. Oh, right. Like three acts. Uh-huh. I thought two at the most. Right. But fucking three yeah. acts. And they were long. And I, I never thought. Because I'm not a guy who falls asleep at live events. Right. But I was like nodding off, you know. I was like, holy shit. It was so boring. Have you ever had people, because you're loud. Like, I mean, what can be loud. Do you have, but do you ever have people like sleep in your show? You ever done like a, you know, a late night thing where someone, I had one in the, like, I had a guy in my front row. Like I was doing a theater show. 1600 seat theater. And he's in the front row. Yeah. And he'd take As it turned out, I found out the story. Like he was there. Was he drunk? No, he it was late at night and he had to dr- he'd driven his daughters who were the ones who really wanted to come to the oh. show and like dad works hard and like you know, it was yeah, actually yeah, a really yeah. sweet story. Yeah, I, oh, I really? really started crying again. I was like <laughs> Did you find out after the show or during the no, show? No, during because I wanted to know. Yeah, what, right, know, right, like, right, yeah. right. But um, it's like it's hard when you're like doing this show and like you said it's going well oh, and look, then there's like a dude just you see a guy falling asleep. He's in the front row. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. And I'm like, I'm loud. Like, if you can sleep through me, yeah, you know? Yeah, 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 yeah. It's crazy. It must be a hard job right. that he had. Was that in Edinburgh? No, that was in Australia. That was in Australia. In, a, in Edinburgh, I had one year where I had three people vomit in one show. 
<laughs> I know, man. They drink so oh my fucking God, right? much, man. It's unbelievable. We, I had a, this year, I had a guy who was just disrupting the show with incoherent like he wasn't really you better you know, like you would hear you, I, you would I couldn't understand what he was fucking saying right. you better do it yeah stare at the and then his voice would go dear, dear, dear. and they had to throw him out the right. pleasant security and it was fucked up because this theater was like you know it, the levels it was like bleachers so it would come down so they had a fucking and he was at the end of the row so they had to stand people up everybody right. had to stand it totally disrupted right. the fucking you can't and, snake him out. and then what was really hilarious was that they're bringing him down and he's coming toward me right. but the security is on him and they're bringing him down and he's coming toward me and he tried to get away Hang on. tried to come at me i'm like hang on it was hilarious. This guy was so upset. As like, he should have been thrown out way earlier. Right. It's fucking. And also crazy. that, like, somehow hitting you would make that better. Yeah. No. I, and you know what? I feel like I've got. I don't want to leave this show, and I feel like I've come up with a solution. What if I punch the guy who's doing the show? That that seems like the best option right now, right? That'll solve all our problems. It's so I can fucked stay up. If I punch him. It's so fucked up because, uh, you know, then about five minutes after he left, I was like, I just stopped the show five minutes after mm-hmm. he left. And I said, are you like me? Do you miss him? Should we get him back? And, you know, and it got a big laugh. But it's like these fucking people make the fucking show about themselves. Right. It's so fucking crazy. Yeah. It's so crazy. I, uh, we were talking about sports uh, before we started, and I, I yeah. thought that would be interesting to talk about. So you like uh, to well, run people through uh, the sports that you follow. Uh, well, well, you American know, football, it, it, yeah. which, you know, uh, I don't know if anybody's been following this uh, in Australia, but it is getting such a bad rap right now because uh-huh. uh, one of the players punched <laughs> There's all this domestic uh-huh. violence yep. going on uh-huh. among the athletes. And like, like these guys. Like a crazy amount. And the only reason a we laugh amount. is because Child. it's a fucking crazy amount. It's like it, none of the things that have happened are funny. Like we, I think we all acknowledge that. Funny. But every day when you fucking open the newspaper and you're like, so this dude punched his fucking... Does that happen in what? Australia in these, in these, in these sports? Like, like particularly the, the NBA the here is, as well. One of them like smashed his four-year-old kid with a fucking stick. Yeah. Like, and was like, yeah, that's what it, you do. And I'm like, no, that's... Yeah, right. It's unbelievable. Like the culture here sometimes, like how, like you realize what a fucking violent place right. this can be uh, mate, like I've, and these athletes yeah. these athletes at least here in this country mm-hmm. they're pampered right. and they're put up on a pedestal and they're like and it's all in america it's all about money if these are star players who are bringing in a lot of money to the team they always try to sweep it under the rug and like no 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 you know we didn't see the video like uh, the, the Michael- famous story okay, is about the guy here on uh, the football American football on the Baltimore Ravens, a running back named Ray Rice mm-hmm. punched his girlfriend yeah. at the time. Punched. Knocked her out. Like punched her in the face. In an elevator. In an elevator. And what they released originally, I think it was almost like six months ago or maybe even longer, was they just had him coming out of the elevator dragging her. So yeah. you didn't know what happened to her. No. And I think he said she was drunk or something like that. But it turns out the NFL here, the National Football League, knew what happened. Right. But they didn't do anything. So now there's this whole... I mean, there was a moment where there was a guy from TMZ in a press conference the other day. Yeah. And 
it was one of those moments where the, the uh, so the commissioner, the dude who's in charge, yeah, paid Roger forty five million dollars a year to do that fucking job. By the way, like yeah, forty five well, million dollars a year. It's obscene <clears throat> how much money the National Football League right, takes in because it's this. Uh, I mean, and this topic has come up a couple of times before. But we're living in this society. We're like we joke about yeah. like the Hunger Games or whatever. But essentially, you're pampering all these fucking criminals. Like yes. you know, I'm not saying they're all criminals, but a yes. bunch of fucking criminals. And you're looking the other way. Like Michael Absolutely. Vick was fighting fucking dogs. Oh. That and was, now he's just back. He's like, back. Oh, yeah. no, no, no. Well, that's. Hang on. Wasn't he fighting dogs? Yeah. Should he not be able to be part of our society? Oh, well, he did, his, he did his punishment, is, is the answer to that. Oh, he spent, I don't know how, like, like a year. Oh, hang on. Is he willing to run into other guys and risk brain damage for the rest of his life? Then we don't care. We yeah. Sw- cause, oh, we- that's another thing about the, uh, about the football. Not, not only do these guys like abuse like a you know a bunch of nflers just as domestic violence kids i mean the rap women sheet. Huh? Oh, i mean the rap sheet i've been looking at the statistics like yeah. the amount of fucking re- arrest there's is in every season of the nfl it's like how do they even feel to fucking team yeah well it's like these these the a lot of the players come from poverty right and so they come from these fucking chaotic, abusive cultures. Right. Then they get a lot of money thrown onto that. And then it, it, gets, it gets fucking crazy. But also the thing you just mentioned, uh, I think you mentioned concussions. These right. guys, these guys, and that's another thing that's been going on. They've been determining the, the, the hitting is so fierce in the NFL, which is, by the way, and I'm conflicted about all of this because I love, I've, I've grown up a sports fan. I've grown up loving the competition. Right. Like, I don't know what the fuck. I, like, I just, we were talking about this before yeah. where I'm 55 now and I'm like, I still am like this diehard fan. Like when the Giants win in football, when the Rangers win in hockey, when the Yankees win in baseball, I'm so fucking happy about this shit. I, no, no, you know, well, because we were talking about this before, yeah. and I was saying I was because it's because everything is meaningless, and <laughs> yes. like that is honestly why you want some diversion, right? You want some diversion. It's organized meaning, like it's just given us something. We know it's that it's organized. I love this. I never right. heard that before, but it is. That's, that's what, a, it's organized meaning because no, it's brilliant. I think because, because, because know, life is kind of chaotic. Well, nothing means anything. Like, none of it, like, makes sense. None of it's fair. Like, I mean, even the things that we think it's are so fair aren't me. fair. Like, everything is unfair. Like, it's all yeah. stacked against you. You're probably <laughs> never going to get ahead. And then even if you are a nice person, bad things still fucking happen to yes. you. There is no... You get diagnosed with an ill... You get diagnosed nice with something... Nice people <laughs> die from bad shit all the fucking time. And terrible people get ahead all the fucking time. Life is yes. not fair. And it is never going to get fixed now. You know, you, this talk, this talk finally makes me understand why I love sports. Right. Because it is organized, meaning it's like, no, no, the good teams are going to win. Right. So this does fuck me up then, like, to find out that these players are so fucked up. And, you know, I never like to meet the players. No. Like, for instance, I'm I'm a big New York Ranger fan in hockey. And a couple of times I got a chance to meet uh, some of the players and I consciously mm-hmm. and purposely didn't want to meet them because right. it would ruin my ideal if right. they turned out to be assholes. No, I agree. 
You know I mean, I mean? It's, it always makes it nicer if they're great, but no, chances yeah. are, and there are pro- you know. And there are a lot of guys who are real cool, right. you know. There are a lot. It's not but, but, like but, but, all of them it, are fucking criminal, you know. And it's not even like, even if the, but even if you met one who is really nice, like, or that you really, really liked, but yeah. you had an awkward interaction, then that just ruins you That's for the rest true. of your life. Like, That's I'm like, like, I one time, a famous Yankee, his name, uh, first baseman for the Yankees, Don Manningly. Oh, yeah, okay. He's oh, you do know him? I've heard of him. Oh, okay, yeah. so... Anyway, check this out. So I was in Manhattan and I was drinking mm. in the afternoon. This was a period when I was drinking a lot. I was drinking fucking martinis with a couple of friends. I was waiting tables. Yeah, it was sure. fucking during lunch. Yeah. And Don Mattingly was in uh, a bar and he was a first baseman. I loved him. And he was with this really beautiful blonde. I don't know if it was his wife. It was probably his wife. But I was drinking. Uh, I love that you were like, I don't know if it was his wife. It was probably his wife. <laughs> In case his wife is listening to the podcast. Uh, yes, yes, that's exactly. You nailed me like, oh, I shouldn't say anything bad about Don Manningly. This would be a great way if this is how it came out. Like a big hello to her if she is listening. But I'm so sorry that this is how you had to find out. Funny. This this becomes part of a divorce proceeding. Oh like my god, he's the manager like, of the Dodgers right here in LA. Right, but right, anyway, the, the franchise has to be split in half because of the divorce. <laughs> It turns it out she's a big of fan of yours. Big fan. Saw me at a gig in LA. It was after a Dodgers game. I was listening to Tough Up. Right. <laughs> come here, Don. Don, come here. Don. She's on the treadmill, I imagine. That's, <laughs> where, that's where she listens. She listens on the treadmill. Does the the time. He's like very she suspicious. Mattingly is very suspicious of you because he's like, why are you listening to this Australian guy? What the fuck are you doing? Yeah. But anyway... <laughs> Anyway, what happened was I, I was drinking these, but I was fucking drunk. I was really drunk. And I saw Manningly, and I, and I was so drunk, I went up to him. And I just, because I wouldn't have done it. When, I, when, I'm not, when I'm not like that, I just ignore, I just don't want to meet him. But I went up to him and I went, I, I didn't know what to say. I wanted to say something brilliant. And all that came out of me was, I love you. And he shook my hand a little like he was scared. Yeah. And I and I shook his hand and then I went back and I hated myself for so long. Because I love you is okay like, to hear from somebody. But when you're like someone like that, I guess there's a fine line between I love you and here's a collection I have of your skin. <laughs> I have a suit made out of the you. Look the look in his eyes was yeah. exactly like that. And his handshake was so weak because I think he was like, yeah, yeah let me not. Let this me kid, know. Yeah, yeah, just get out of here. You Let's know? not leave him any DNA under his fingernails. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> we, know, yeah. We, know, we know what he's using it for. I couldn't believe it. I was so, I beat myself up. I was like, oh, what the fuck, you know? What about uh, how are you being approached by, because you're like a guy now, particularly, you know, mm-hmm. around the scene, like where people like, you, you're a guy who is still doing a lot of gigs, but yeah. who, you know, people like look up to and would yeah. come through like, you know, knowing your work and stuff. Yeah, yeah. Like how do you react if someone is like overwhelmed by you or really nice to you? Are you like, yeah, that, I, that can be its own. I, you know, you know, I, lo- I actually right? love it. I actually, I actually love it. I think it's so fucking cool. And everyone, everyone who's done it has been really, sweet and cool and the funniest one was actually in edinburgh where this kid i I don't know how old he was i think he was like early 20s maybe if that and his eyes this guy his eyes like got really big it was the funniest one i've had he goes eddie peppertone he goes and i was wearing this hat he goes was that the same hat you wore in this special 
And it wasn't. I lied. And I said, yes. And he goes, oh, my God. And he had to have a picture with me. And it was just so sweet, man. Should have sold him the hat for five, <laughs> five, 500 pounds. Said, yes, it is. Signed it away. Not even the real hat. He gets home, puts it on, sits down to watch your special. He's like, oh. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But um, uh, the only thing that bugs me is getting asked to do too many things sometimes. Okay. And people have, you know, they can contact me through Twitter and Facebook. Right. And it gets a little like like to do different shows and stuff. And I, uh, are you com- are you, I always are you, like are you to com- get back- Are you complaining about this? <laughs> is this? Is this what you're saying? <laughs> Will I? I didn't know how to tell you this. The 46-minute um, <laughs> mark of the podcast. <laughs> Please don't contact me again, Will. I mean, you did it in a nice way. If everyone had the courtesy to come over and record 45 minutes of good content before they said, look, now, this is it. It's done. That would be funny if that's the way I do it. (laughs) If that's the way I do it, like, I always wait 45 minutes into the favor. Yeah. Like, I will do... You soften the blow. It's a spoonful of medicine, you know, a spoonful of sugar helps the medicine go down, you know. You give them, I've done something for you, now you do something for me. Lose, Never contact lose, lose me my again. contact details. Oh, that's funny. Right. But it's weird because your place is so much nicer than mine. <laughs> you should be the one telling me, look, I don't know why I contacted you. Like if you came over to my place, like uh-huh. if you're gonna be a guest on mine, which I want you to be, you'd be like, I don't know if I want to do this. <laughs> that's really funny. my place is much nicer, and that's how L- <laughs> that's how LA people are too. Like, right. oh really? Like LA people, this is very true right. that they judge you by your car. Oh, what right. car are you driving? And for the long, and I don't care about cars. I'm from New York. I don't have a car. I, <laughs> oh, my, don't yeah, tell anyone. I had my car stolen uh, two and a half years ago. Not here in, in Australia. Oh, in Australia? But it was my dream car. And it was a 1966 Ford Mustang. I don't is know, that you know what that stolen? is. Is that why yeah, it was stolen? I love... Like, I, yeah. Ford Mustangs were my... Fa- uh, right. That was my first car. It was I, a beautiful car and it got stolen. Uh, and <sighs> and then when I came over here, I was just like, you know what? My do you rent? My heart's not in buying it. No, I like Uber and taxi and walk. Oh, you and do that. Like, sh- yeah, why and not? And I mean, if I have to go out of town, like on the road or whatever, I, I, I'll just, there's a like, car rental place up the, by the way, road. By the way, that is the smartest move because it is so stressful to drive in LA. Right. It is so stressful to drive. It's like, you know, the road rage, you know, oh, this asshole won't let me in. Why? Why? My biggest thing is, you know, like just before I got here, I was like, your your street's a little tricky to find and it's in between Santa Monica, which is crazy busy uh-huh. traffic wise. And a bus, I was behind a bus that wasn't moving. It was just picking up passengers, dropping them off. Right. And the light kept changing. This is me, like, it went from red to green to red to gr- I was like, if he doesn't, and this is the L.A. thing, if he doesn't fucking go through the light this time, I'm going to get out of the car and I'm going to fucking kill him. And that's that's where I go all the time. I never do it, of course, right. but I always think that. Well, you know? if you do it or not, it's always good to say you don't do it. So <laughs> because Even if you do do even it. Even if you do do it, say you don't do it. You didn't do it. Uh, there is a lot of lawyers who listen to this, particularly uh, – Don Mattingly's wife's lawyers are listening to this particular episode. I don't know if they got through this far, but they probably have listened on to see if there's any more revelations. Yeah, there's a law firm going, did he say he did it, Bob? Because right, we had a bus driver killed yesterday yeah. on, on Santa Monica. 
This might this and, might be like two birds, one stone. Yeah, and they already have Mrs. Mattingly in the office. She's in the office as well. <laughs> By the way, Mrs. Mattingly is here to get a divorce. That guy really caused a lot of problems. <laughs> On top up. <laughs> Your podcast is known for legal action. <laughs> in LA. All your guests get incarcerated. I mean, that's a thing. I can sell that pilot. <laughs> so I've got this podcast. It's like the it's like a flip side crime drama take on Marin. <laughs> really great. It might be great. It's great. Um, so I agree with you about because I've tried to. Yeah. I'm trying to do a thing in life at yeah. the moment, based like on what we were talking about, like you know there being no particular meaning to it all. I'm trying to live my life like happy at the moment i'm going through a real period of trying to like yeah be happy how is that going yeah really good it's going <laughs> that's great. good like it really is like that's i made good. a lot of choices this year just to do things that i wanted to do like right. you know and that made me happy and tried to say no to things that you know i was right. doing for someone else or, or whatever and right. it's been brilliant but also just my attitude like you know it's right. been i've been trying to relax do some things live some life but you know work hard on things like it's just right. been a good a been, balance, a good right. balance. But part of it is also I'm trying to leave to places earlier so I don't get stressed about being late. I'm, uh, I'm great. So, and the other one is Well, not, I think you have LA down. Uber, right. which well, is well, a taxi cab say. service. I, I don't want people to think yeah. it's a Nazi. I don't want to get in trouble again with the Germans. Right. Uber <laughs> is a, <laughs> a taxi cab service. <laughs> hey, is that kid a Nazi? Right. It's like... <laughs> Hang on, is he is he on the run? Is he on the run? You know, you can't spell Austrian without Australian. Australian, Austria, that is very close. It's very close. Did you detect any accent in him? <laughs> I'm not good with accents, but he's definitely not speaking American. So he didn't mention book involved, did he? Right. <laughs> okay. I know. I'm just checking. It's Pepitone, right? All right. <laughs> nah, he's just. <laughs> <laughs> From the law firm Fine Arts, Fine Arts, and Fine Arts. Oh my God. These guys are great, actually. These guys are really great. Um, all right. Uh, let's see how, how. Oh, okay. We've got, we got about five minutes to go. So, um, yeah. Well, I, I, uh, I, I admire you that you're, you're doing that, like, like really living your life like that. You know, I'm married mm-hmm. and that's a commitment. You know, it's right. like, you, you know, you have to do so. And I, and I was just, I think I was telling you before this podcast that, oh, maybe I wasn't. Maybe I was telling a friend. I don't know. But I have, I don't have kids, mm-hmm. which is a big responsibility. What do you mean? Oh, uh, having kids is. I thought the way you said that sentence, I was like, I don't have. I kids. think it was so funny. Is a big I, responsibility. I'm what like, was it? Big, what did you think? I thought you were saying I don't have kids, which is a big responsibility. <laughs> I'm like, I don't have kids, and I don't feel burdened by, the by way, that responsibility. I, I have really laughed a lot of. You have cracked me up so much on this part, but that would be hilarious if if you <laughs> thought that kids were just kids. Just just pop them out and then leave right. them alone, then fucking get out of there. Yeah. <laughs> That's what I do. Yeah. I mean, I got heaps of kids. I got they don't even know where I live. I mean, you gave them too much information with near Santa but Monica. They might track we... me down. Oh, the lawyers are on for that now as well. There we go. Now I'm in trouble. Bob, do we have a semen? Yeah. Do we have a semen sample? Anderson. Get it from yeah. the get it from the comedy condo in Denver. It will be mixed. <laughs> It will be mixed in with a lot of other comedians. Yeah, I don't know if that semen's going to be reliable. <laughs> oh, we might clear it up. We might clear up a lot of paternity suits. We might. This might be a big day for us. Just bring the couch <laughs> right? from the comedy condo. Just bring the couch. 
But you know what? You walk into the interrogation room. You go, you go to sit on the couch. You're like, oh no, that's evidence. Don't. Not- you walk into you walk in and the couch is there, but cops are masturbating on it because there's just something about the couch. <laughs> I don't know. There's so much semen on it. Everybody loves it. I mean, the real story here is the story of this couch. But getting back to enjoying yourself, yes. because what stops enjoyment is worry. Ah, yes. I agree and so, and so, don't worry. Be happy, as Bobby McFerrin once said. Well, that's brilliant. <laughs> but so, the trick in life, uh, this this will be good in the podcast. But the trick in life is to be able to love. You know, people, and, for, and I was just going to say, I don't have kids, but I have animals, and I am so close to my dogs. Okay, I so what fucking dogs love, I love dog. my dogs. Oh, yes, so you should. And yesterday, I had to take in, my, I have these little dogs, too. I never thought I would like little dogs. Mm-hmm. I love big, I, but I got these little dogs with my wife. And there's one, one Charlotte, she's my little girl, mm. she had a hernia, oh. and she had to go in for surgery, uh-huh. and I was a fucking wreck. Right. You know, I was like, oh, and she came out of surgery, and she's sore, right. and she's whimpering a she little. She doesn't understand what just happened? No, she doesn't understand what happened. And like, like, so what that does is it makes me uptight like because i'm worrying that she's okay and i worry that my wife is happy and at some point i rebel against that i'm like fuck it's like these guys guys. i want to be no i'm serious it's like it's like sometimes i think the way to live is just live you know don't fucking get close to because the closer you know the closer you are to anybody that's the message of the podcast kids don't Don't get get close close to to anybody No, but I mean, the trick is, and I always admire people who have kids and can just live a happy, you know, you know, they have kids and they're like, I love my kids and I just love my life because I think I would be one of these people who would just worry about them all the fucking time. Especially, right. you know, I, I don't know how long you've been in America, but in America is, is fucking, there's no health care for oh, anybody. No if you fucking get sick out of the blue, like you said, good things happen. Yeah. I mean, bad things happen to good people. It's right. like, there's no fucking, there's no safety net here None. you know it's like it's like it's like fucking every man for themselves right and then you said you send your kids to school and someone might shoot them that's another thing like that that's, a th- that's an honest thing that you ha- i mean i imagine you have to consider as a mm-hmm. parent is like mm-hmm, mm-hmm, i'm mm-hmm. sending my child yeah off to school a lot of the and dogs one of the things that might happen is they will get mm-hmm. shot i take my dog to a park and a lot of the dogs carry guns here right yeah. <laughs> I mean, right Okay. Honey, that collie has right. a gun. That border collie has a gun. Right, two. They're going to have two guns <laughs> per dog. But there is a two and a half minute waiting period. And they can only buy $3,000 worth of ammunition. So, <laughs> a I mean, two I and a half minute waiting period. Yeah. But you I know feel what? like this. Dogs are easily distracted. So that is a long time for a dog to wait for, for two guns. You know what I mean? And a lot <laughs> of ammo. Dogs are easily distracted. I mean, you might. But here's a sick thought uh-huh. that I'm going to say. Sure. Is that there hasn't been a shooting here in a while. I don't know. And so I'm like waiting for the fucking... Uh, in, in America, right. there hasn't been like a crazed gunman. Yeah, but like, like I mean, there has been this year probably. Oh, oh, which is why that's so absolutely. crazy that you even like... It's like in the old days, if someone like they went happen- into a school with a gun, you were like, well, this is like the end of humanity. They were happening we monthly to- here. This is what I fucking... I think the world has moved on too quickly from the fact that someone shot a fucking plane out of the air. Have you noticed that we're not really? That's like, true too. Why are people still going? Hang on. I'll tell you Who's why. You want you for that plane? Yeah, hang on. I'll tell you. You want to know the answer? Because people need to fucking be places for right. business and pleasure. They need to be places. So if they really fucking want, you know, 
if they really were going to contemplate that and find out, they, they wouldn't go anywhere. Right. And people are like, now, because of air travel, they go fucking places all the time. And so they don't want, you know, the airlines don't want to shut it down and all that shit. But this is, I guess, is, and this, my guess is my broader point about why you kind of have to just live your life how you want to live your life. Mm-hmm. And that doesn't mean it like a, a selfish way, because often what makes you happy is making other people that's happy. That's true. That's, like, I mean, that's the best thing. Some people think that, like, you know, when you are saying you're making more decisions for you, often you're making them for the people who are most important to you in your life right. as well. Because right. sometimes that decision might be, I'm going to take six months off and spend it with my family. Or I'm going to, and some right. people like that's a selfish work decision. But you're like, well, no, that's what I want to do. Right. Or like, right. So anyway, I think that was a nice note to finish on, Eddie. If people want to watch your special, it's called In Ruins on Netflix. It's on Netflix. What about right. Australians? I mean, there's a bunch of Australians I, who, because we're a nation of criminals, have worked out how to watch Netflix in Australia as well. So that's <laughs> for those people. Yeah, I don't know how there, else. You know, because is I it think like on iTunes or something like that. Is there somewhere they can download it? Like I think a, it will be on it iTunes. Be, right, okay. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. So, but there, well, there's previous stuff of yours that they can find, though, right? Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. They can get my uh, my first album called Great Stillness, or they could see the documentary on me called The Bitter Buddha. Yeah. That's on Amazon or iTunes. Right, see, that's you a know? good place for people to start. If you want to know more about you, that's a really good... Uh... Yeah, absolutely. What and, about and my the friend... one where you are hiking up Runyon Canyon? Oh, like, yeah, have you I've seen, seen that? that? I think that's hilarious. What is it? Where, yeah, can, my can wife people... co-wrote that with me. It's called... Um, Runyon yeah. Beyond Sunset. It is. And you could get that on my website, right. eddiepepitone.com. I sell it off my website. It's hilarious. Yeah, like it's, it's, it genuinely is like there's some moments in that that are so laugh out loud. I, I highly recommend I'll give that I one love that. I saw, I, 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 it's based on these unbelievable stories uh, that happen on Mount Everest. Right. Yeah, into but yours air. is up Runyon Canyon, which it's is about where all a little, the young a little, LA people yeah. hike every morning yeah. and stuff. Yeah. Yeah. We're actors like. Preen right. and, <laughs> and I'm there with an oxygen mask. Uh, Twitter, Facebook, uh, Twitter website. at Eddie Pepitone. Yep, at Eddie Pepitone on Twitter. Uh, my face, Eddie Pepitone fan page, and EddiePepitone.com. Any gigs or anything that you want to plug? Yeah, I'm going to be in Portland at Helium oh, October brilliant. two, three, and four, and then I'm going to be at Acme in Minneapolis October. Uh, uh, 14 through 18 and then I love I, that club that's I've been there a couple of times and I think they're brilliant there yeah it's and such a great town Minneapolis too for like arts cult. they like great good comedy and yeah like, I'm really know, looking forward yeah. to it and then I'm going to be at the and this is really cool I'm doing the first year of the Maui comedy oh. festival in Hawaii in Maui wow. uh, October 30th through November 2nd that in Maui. In Maui. I don't know yeah. if we've had it, we've got any listeners in Hawaii, but if we do, <laughs> hit me up and let me know because I'm looking for any fucking excuse to go to Hawaii. Have so you been? Have never been. You'd love it. Yeah, I hear nothing but good things. Yeah. So um, I would love to go. So if I do have fans in Hawaii, yeah. uh, then uh, l- let us know <laughs> and I might come out. Um, uh, thank you so much for being Thanks part of this, Thanks for having Eddie. me. Hey, uh, everyone, LA Podcast Festival is this weekend, so you can uh, watch this, uh, watch Tofop, Charlie, uh, back together with Dave Anthony, guest Charlie number one, uh, at seven o'clock on the Saturday. You can watch, if you want to watch the entire weekend from wherever you are in the world, uh, they have a pass. If you put Tofop in, it's only 20 bucks for the whole weekend and you can watch any of the shows from the podcast festival and you can also uh, watch that for three weeks after the festival if you can't watch it on the weekend so that's a, a pretty good deal and we get seven bucks out of each of those tickets uh, back to the podcast so that's a good way to support the podcast thanks so much for listening and we'll talk to you again soon